Once upon a time, in a land far away, I'm Katrina, and I'm Jeff, and welcome to the Fairy Tellers Podcast. Myth, legend, folklore, fable. We explore what they say about cultures then and now. Grab a hot cup of cocoa and a comfy seat while we retell you a thing. Welcome back to the podcast. The last episode of 2022 here in the Northern Hemisphere, it's getting ridiculously cold outside. If you're in the Southern Hemisphere, it's getting very warm and you're preparing for a nice Christmas picnic at the beach. And we're all really very jealous of you. I was imagining specifically some of the people uh, in the countries that you were talking about. Because like we we have friends and stuff and family in New Zealand and Australia. So it's it always boggles my mind to think about in places like I had friends like who are Brazilian. I still have friends and they still are Brazilian. <laughs> that was weirdly constructed sentence. But I, I, st- I still have friends. <laughs> Um, <laughs> they used to be Brazilian. Like, <laughs> what? Anyway, but like talking about how like one of their big Christmas traditions is like to watch fireworks on the beach and have like, you know, a big like barbecue. And it's just like that boggles my mind. And I'm sure like they're like, you want to sit around and like drink hot chocolate and roast marshmallows and like stare at plants that aren't dead that you brought into your house. That is some weird stuff. But it's just <laughs> it's cool because it's like, you know, how your environment shapes your like traditions and celebrations and all sorts of stuff. So that's really cool. So however it is that you are celebrating and commemorating this holiday season, whether there's a holiday in there you celebrate or not, just celebrating an end of a year, beginning of a new year. We wish you all the best in that because I don't know, it's one of my favorite times of the year, always. Yeah. And it always has this uh, like kind of wrap up feeling to it, which I don't know. I kind of enjoy that. I enjoy because it's obviously the end of the year isn't really the end of anything. It's just a continuation on the same spiral around the sun that we're going on. Downward spiral. Oh, geez. (laughs) Cut that. Just kidding. Yeah. It's just a, an arbitrary marker, but it is good. It's a good excuse to look back and just think of the things that have happened yeah. During a period of your life, because a year is a long time, and a lot of things have happened, and I don't remember them until I look back and like actually think about it, or f- look through pictures, or like read my journal, or whatever. I also have like a notoriously bad memory, so maybe you're different and you do remember a year very well. But like even some of the episodes that we did, like I was looking back through, and the first episode, one of the first episodes of the year, was like the Law of Surprise, where we talked about Hans the Hedgehog yeah. and the tie into the Witcher with that, and that was like such a great episode, and it feels like forever ago it feels like way longer than this year it feels like it was like two years ago but then we were talking about another episode and it's like oh that feels like it was just a few months ago but it was like two or years ago you know yeah. it's just interesting so there's a lot of really great episodes like looking back and be like oh man yeah that was so fun it makes me want to go back and listen to some of our episodes like that that one the african dilemma tales which was like a sleeper hit for me yeah. I was like, man that was so good i think about that all the time i tell people about african dilemma tales like constantly because it's like one of my favorite things after we did an episode about it yeah it was awesome because that episode it was like about how stories can be used to like lead group discussions or community discussions about values and stuff and it's Funny because it led to some really great discussions with like fans and uh, some like friends that we know and like each other and African Dilemma Tales. That one was like a sleeper one where it was like, oh, you'd probably read the title and you're like, oh, I don't really know what I'm about to get into. And then you like listen to it and you're like, this, oh, yeah. oh, that's good. And we had a ton of people 
write in about that one. Like, yeah, from my perspective, and I don't see a, a lot of the stuff that comes in, but it's like from my perspective, from what you told me, it's like that definitely seems like the most we've had anyone write in about like any singular episode was about the African dilemma tales. Yeah, that and like geo mythology. Yeah. Which we did Greek geomythology this year, or geomythology in Greece. That was also a really popular episode, uh, which was unsurprising because geomythology has always been like a fan favorite. Another one that I really liked, I liked doing the the Nightingales stories, yes. like the Oscar Wilde literary fairy tales and the other ones. I feel like it had been a while since we'd done a literary fairy tale. Yeah. And so that was delightful. And just learning all about Oscar Wilde, the fact that he was doing fairy tale stuff and like, yeah, I I had no idea. And I love Oscar Wilde. That was interesting because it's like this year we got to do an episode that featured uh, Hans Christian Andersen, one of his literary fairy tales when we did uh, The Nightingale. And we featured that with Oscar Wilde. And that whole conversation about like the purpose of art and like everything, we got to kind of like pull out our kind of like literary analysis hats. But then we also got to do uh, an episode more recently of Hans Christian Andersen talking about a non literary fairy tale. It was actually a folk tale that he was recording with like Great Klaus and Little Klaus and. We told some other tales from like America that tied into that. So Hans Christian Andersen, we got to do kind of like both things this year, which was cool. Yeah, that was really cool. It's just like, I don't know, it's such a good year. And I think we have you at home, our wonderful listeners to thank for this because our focus this year, the theme was listener requests, listener suggestions. So you put us on to a lot of really great stuff that was just delightful. So we're so glad that you did that. And you, you know, wrote in and, and we're not going to stop doing things that you uh, suggest. So keep writing in and yeah. we definitely read those and we definitely try to incorporate them into our schedule where we can. Because we love like learning about things that we've never heard of before. That's yeah. one of my favorite things about this whole thing. People telling us what they're curious about, like what they have either found or interested in. I mean... I was introduced this year to the Grimm's Fairy Tale Classics cartoons. Yes. From one of our listeners. And that was incredible when we did uh, The Old Woman in the Woods. Oh my gosh, that was so bonkers, that cartoon. Because I had never heard of that cartoon before. I truly, like, this had never Me either. crossed my path. But I was amazed at the amount of people who were like, oh my gosh, I remember this. Yeah. I was like, what cultural moment did we sleep through? I know. So it was like people either it was like they felt like seen because they they were like, somebody also saw this weird cartoon that I saw when I was younger. And it's like, yeah, you weren't alone. That didn't happen to just you. (laughs) Repressed childhood memories unlocked. (laughs) Oh, man. And so, yeah, like I wouldn't have even known about that or to talk about that to cover that at all. Oh, yeah. If it wasn't for listeners writing in and and suggesting that. Yeah. So this year really was shaped so much by the audience and people sending in requests. And we have a couple more requests from people that we hope to honor in the coming months. And yeah, like Jeff said, keep writing in and telling more. We know Celtic tales specifically have been Mm. asked for. And so that is on the list. And also some of the bigger named tales, some of those more well-known titles. We know that people want to hear more about those. 
Besides, like, the Cinderella tales, some Sleeping Beauty stories, and Beauty and the Beast, we haven't told some of the other well-known tales. And so be looking forward to that in the coming year. Yeah. And one thing that was super wonderful this year was that everybody stuck with us while our recording schedule and our release schedule were all over the place. Yeah. We both had hectic years and you were all very understanding of that and we really appreciate that definitely hopefully i'm fingers crossed this next year is just uh smooth sailing very very easy and we can have great luck in our personal lives our health our everything that'd be great i hope that everybody that we know and you know stays alive this year that's a yeah. that's a tall order. Uh, I just remember at the beginning of the year, Jeff was so excited for Tuesday. Tuesday. And then and then you were like, and after that, everything there. is gonna go downhill. And you know what, Jeff? And it kind of did. It kind of did. It really felt it really felt like you possibly <laughs> Did I, I cause this? Did I jinx <laughs> us? Probably. Or was it foretold in the stars? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Question for the ages. We're still planning on a live on December 30th at 8.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So Jeff and I have also come up with a way to record our audio while we do the live events so that no matter how well our internet is set up or functioning, or if people miss being there for the event, we can post better uh, quality audio than is available through Instagram later on our usual platform. That way, even if you miss the live, you'll still be able to listen to it. We would love to have you at the live event because we love hearing from all of you. But if not, no worries. It is holiday time after all. You might be with family doing uh, better, more festive things. What could be more festive than December divinations? I do not know. Yeah, I don't know either. And besides, <laughs> it's New Year's Eve Eve. Like, be honest. No one's doing anything on New Year's Eve. Eve. Yeah, because everybody's resting up so that they can party extra hard the next day. Exactly. So everybody should possibly be uh, really uh, bored on the 30th and ready to do something a little fun. So hopefully we will be that something a little fun that you will do. (laughs) (laughs) Agreed. (laughs) I am really excited about today's episode. Back in February, we recorded and released an episode about Vasilisa and the Baba Yaga right before uh, Russia attacked and invaded Ukraine. And we had a listener request shortly after who messaged and requested Slavic tales, specifically Ukrainian tales. And we did an episode on Slavic vampires, which was a ton of fun to research and retell. Mm Mm-hmm. So at the end of that episode, we said that we would probably revisit Ukrainian tales in another episode, and I've been trying to figure out how to honor that. And my sister has been waiting patiently for her request all year. She wants more tales of our favorite character, the devil. Yeah. Imagine my surprise when a tale from the Ukraine featuring the devil (sighs) and Christmas Eve shenanigans fell into my lap the trifecta (laughs) i seriously felt like it just like fell into my lap that the that this story like found me the folklore gods were smiling upon us and there are a lot of gods in folklore i hope you know (laughs) 
So a few years ago, I was homeschooling my children for a variety of reasons. And in one section of the curriculum we were using, we had this book about different tales from the opera. And there were a couple CDs that go with it. And the idea in the curriculum was to listen to the CDs in the car on the way to places. And each opera is retold in about 15 minutes. And so it was great for car rides. But my four-year-old was terrified of the Hansel and Gretel tale, <laughs> which was only like three stories into the CD with like the Crunch Witch is what she was called. The Crunch Witch. The Crunch Witch. And so we stopped listening to that CD. And yeah, we had only gotten like three stories into the CD. We hadn't even gone through like all of them one time yet before my daughter was just kind of like, please don't put on the CDs. please," Because she got really like, you know, terrified by the Crunch Witch, um, which is fine. So like we stopped listening to them. And it had been about four years since I'd even looked at this book. And we had a lot of road trips between the funeral for my husband's grandfather that we went out to and the autumn holiday from school. And I found the book and the CDs and I was like, we should try this again. Like this might be good, like while we're driving in the car, just so that we're not, you know, bored out of our minds. And my kids absolutely loved the CDs and like the stories that were told in them. The book is called The Barefoot Book of Stories from the Opera. It's the publishing company. Barefoot Books is the publishing company. So The Barefoot Book of Stories from the Opera. And it comes with two CDs if people are interested. Uh, but the last story in it is called Christmas Eve or more closely translated The Night Before Christmas. And all through the house. Not a creature was stirring, except for the devil. <laughs> it's my favorite poem. And so Christmas Eve is an opera based on a story that is inside a collection of short stories by the writer Nikolai Gogol, who was born and raised in the Ukraine. Nice. So when he was alive, Nikolai Gogol was considered a renowned Russian author, even though he was from the Ukraine. Because at the time, it was kind of seen as more, for a lot of his like early career, he was seen as like a Ukrainian writer. And it was seen, this was in the 1800s. Mm -hmm. And that was kind of seen as like, small potatoes like oh he's he's good for a ukrainian author was basically kind of like how like the feeling the feeling in his early yeah. part of like his career and he you know kept working and improving in himself and doing like more and more work until he was considered this like renowned russian author who others credited for for inspiring a lot of other famous Russian authors um, since then. So really famous guy, but kind of, you know, turned, it's complicated. How he was considered a Russian author versus like a Ukrainian, even though he was like born and raised Ukrainian. And like, yeah, that was like his foundations as a person. And we've talked a little bit about the use of folklore as a means to build a national identity before on the podcast. Mm -hmm. And it is a mixed bag because it can be really, really great to establish like a sense of like pride and community and closeness 
with the people around you, but then also it can be used to then start to like otherize groups that are inside of that same like geographical reason region and saying, Oh, you're not doing the things that we're doing. You're not like us. You're not one of us. You're different. We don't want you to get out. So folklore as a means of producing like a national identity can be problematic (laughs) at best at other times. It can be a lot of things. And it happens when countries are trying to establish themselves as independent and culturally separate from other neighboring groups. They'll start to stake their claims to certain culture heroes, foodways, folk art, architecture stories. The list is endless. But the lines of who these things belongs to are very, very blurry. And so the fact is that if you look for information online about Nikolai Gogol, You'll see that he is considered an incredible, important figure in Russian literature, extremely influential to Russian literature. He will be constantly linked in everything that you see to Russia. And it is truly beyond my power of influence. It is way above my pay grade (laughs) to give Nikolai Gogol like back to his hometown in, you know, the minds of history. But for the sake of the national identity of Ukrainians and giving them back what is theirs, we're going to be retelling a Ukrainian literary fairy tale today. Yeah. So this story was written by the Ukrainian Nikolai Gogol in a short story collection called Evenings on a Farm Near Dikonka. So Dikonka is a town located in central Ukraine. And these stories that Gogol wrote, he wrote to his mother who was still living in the Ukraine and near Dikonka and had her write down a lot about like the local superstitions, food customs, holiday customs, like all of this information he had his mother write down, which again, oh, isn't this something that we're like constantly talking about is seeing is like the the women, the unsung women heroes of folklore who are like writing mm-hmm. down and recording all this stuff. And it's like, yeah. So he based these short stories on that information that he received from his mother. And most of the stories are centered around holiday events. And so our story takes place on a Christmas Eve in the Ukraine. And this story has a large cast of characters, and so I'm going to try to make it as like clear and easy to follow as possible. Because um, it is like this super funny comedy of errors type story that's just like a delight. So it starts off on a Christmas Eve. It is a clear winter night. The ground is blanketed with snow. The moon is shining brightly in the sky, lighting up all of this snow. I don't know if anybody has ever been out at night in the moonlight when there's snow everywhere. Oh, yeah. It's so bright. It's like, yeah, it's ludicrously bright because this like on a full moon, especially yeah, the light is bouncing off of all of that white snow. It's reflecting off of everything. And so it's oh, extremely bright. So magical. And also like the snow absorbs sound so it's like yes so quiet and also it's cold so like lots of animals and bugs and whatever like not active very magical and the story says it's a perfect night for people to go out 
doing caroling and celebrating. Because, yeah, it's just like Christmas Eve, night before Christmas. So just lots of community events that can be going on and family things and carolers going out and singing songs to people. And the custom there during caroling was that uh, they would go out on Christmas Eve to sing carols and they would stand under windows and sing and people in the houses would drop sausage or bread or it says whatever they had a plenty of in the house they would throw it into the sack of the people who were like below singing the songs and so it was kind of nice it's like christmas trick-or-treating but it's just treats all around you get the treat of hearing our lovely voices and you give us treats yeah so it's like community giving and yeah yeah love it so before any of that had started to happen, a figure rose up majestically into the sky, mm. and it was a witch. Oh, and nobody, that's not what I expected. I know, not yet, but get ready. So nobody was out to see this witch rising up into the sky on her broomstick. And if anybody had been out to see, they would have seen that she was flying up and plucking the stars out of the sky and tucking them into her pockets. What? Star thief. At the same time, and also if anybody ever goes back and is reading these stories evenings on a farm near Dekonka, you'll notice that the author is constantly throwing shade at public officials. (laughs) And it's just pretty funny because he'll just be like, Talking about like tax collectors and stuff and being like, oh, I bet the tax collector would have noticed that the stars were getting snatched out of the sky because like they always keep track of who has what of everything and is constantly <laughs> trying to fit. And I'm like, what a what an interesting aside. <laughs> Those tattletale narc tax collectors. <laughs> Hilarious. So while the witch was up in the sky plucking, plucking out the stars, the story then says that... A short figure that looked like a regular German (laughs) with a narrow little face went up in the sky with her. Uh, But there is a note that says that out in this region, it was common to call somebody a German if they looked like they were foreign to the area. Interesting. But I thought that was so funny. Like, he looks like a regular German. (laughs) That's so interesting, too, because I know in Brazil... Like, that's what they'll call you. If you're, like, white, Uh they'll call you, they'll say you're German. But it just, it doesn't mean, like, you're from Germany. It just means, like, you're white. Yeah. So that's interesting that it's, like, the same thing. Yeah, that is just, like, what they mean is a foreigner, but that's, like, German. So this person, they're, like, oh, like, narrow face, and its legs were really thin, and it says that the... If the mayor of the town had legs as thin as that, then he would break them the first time he tried (laughs) dancing. And I'm like, what in the world kind of shade are we throwing? I love it. So this figure also had a tail and it says a goat beard under his chin and little horns sticking upon his forehead. So just kind of like the classic demon look. And it was by, you know, the tail and the horns and the little beard that you could tell that this was none other than the devil himself mm-hmm. out for one last night of fun before he was banished from the earth 
before Christmas Day. There are a lot of different traditions where like the devil is let loose on particular days, but they kind of vary between it being on like October 31st to being until Mm -hmm. you will like, there's this whole dark period of the year in the Northern Hemisphere where different days are said to be the day when like the devil is kind of like loosed on the world. But Mm -hmm. around Christmas time is when since the Christ child was born, then the devil has to like leave until next year. And so I don't know in, in this culture, how many days he had been kind of like out and about loosed on the world, whether it has been since October 31st or if it has only been, Mm -hmm. you know, since the beginning of December. I don't know. But tonight's his last night because it's the night before Christmas. It is his last night. Yeah. And he went up into the sky and started trying to pull down the moon. And there's this whole charade in the story that's kind of like going on because this is like told in a literary style where the devil is like trying to get a hold of like the moon, but like it's hurting his fingers because it's so cold and he's used to like warmth because he's from the burning bowels of hell. Uh (laughs) And so it's like this whole description of him trying to touch it and then like shaking his hands and like, you know, sucking out his fingers because like they hurt from touching it. And then him trying to like, Mm. you know, grab the moon, like again, really hard. But eventually he is able to like seize the moon with both hands and like pull it down and throws it into a sack. And the only person in Deconca who saw this happen was the town drunk. (laughs) Of course, and no one's going to believe it. Yeah, I'm like, it's so funny because it was like, he basically like falls out of a tavern, like onto all fours and like looks up at the sky and is like, what? Why is the moon dancing around in the sky? Why is the moon dancing around in the sky? I don't know. That's crazy. But yeah, he so he was the only person who saw the devil like stealing the moon and putting it into his sack. Oh man. The story says, but what motive led the devil to this lawless act? <laughs> like, why hmm. why would the devil do Does, such a thing? So out of his character. He must stop this Christmas from coming, but how? <laughs> <laughs> so his reason for what he was doing was, I mean, listen, it all boils down to, (laughs) he hates the blacksmith. Okay. The devil hates the blacksmith, Vakula, because not only is Vakula a blacksmith, but he also is an artist. And he has been going around making the most beautiful religious art. He's like painting things on people's dishes, paintings for them to hang in their homes of the saints and of Christ and the mother of God. And he's making all of these paintings and putting them Mm. just all over the town, selling them. Everybody loves them. They think they're absolutely gorgeous. But this year he's done something absolutely despicable to the devil. He was hired (laughs) to go into the church and paint a full wall in the chapel that depicts St. Peter on the day of judgment. And he has keys in his hands, driving the evil spirit, the devil, 
out of hell and the devil is being like depicted you know being driven out of like even his domain and being flogged and beaten Mm. and the devil was like how rude this (laughs) this cannot stand (laughs) how dare you the devil knows that the blacksmith vacula has a hardcore crush on this girl in town mm. named Oksana. And Oksana's dad, whose name is Chubb. <laughs> I'm I'm a fan of these names so far. Oh yeah. Vakula. Oksana. And Chubb. I love I love Chubb as a name like the most. I don't love him the most in the story. Because I love the devil the most in the story. Yeah. So this Christmas Eve night, there is going to be a party at the Sextant's house. And Chubb is friends with the Sextant and is going to be at the party. In fact, most people are planning on being at the party. Oksana is not planning on being at the party. Mm. So Vakula, who is afraid, the blacksmith, Vakula, is afraid of Chubb. Doesn't like Chubb. Doesn't go to Oksana's house if Chubb is at his home watching his daughter. So since Chubb was planning on going to this party tonight, Vakula, the blacksmith, was planning on going over to talk to Oksana. And the devil was like, absolutely no. I do not want Vakula to get to talk to his crush. I'm firmly against that. And so he has devised a plan to steal the moon out of the sky and steal the stars out of the sky with his witch, his witchy best friend. That way, Chubb, it'll be so dark that Chubb won't leave his house. And that way, Vakula <laughs> can't go and hook up with oh. or flirt with Oksana. This seems so difficult. I'm like, the devil, I feel like there was like probably a faster way or something for you to get back at this guy. I don't know. A faster way? But a funner way? Hmm. Oh. Probably not. Probably not. So, hmm. Causing all kinds of mischief. So, this is what is taking place now that the devil has stolen the moon out of the sky. <laughs> so, pretty shortly after the moon is gone from the sky, there is a knock at Chubb's door. And it is his friend asking him if he is going to go out tonight to the sextant's party. And of course, Chubb had been planning on going. He was all dressed and ready to go. And when he walked outside, he was like, what in the world? Why is it so dark? It is pitch black outside. How did this happen? I swear the moon was just shining on all of this snow, making it glow. And his friend was like, I don't know. (laughs) It just, it's gone. It's fine. I'm still planning on going to this party. There's going to be alcohol there. He named like three different types of vodka. I was like, I didn't know. Okay, wow. And he's like, there's going to be vodka there. There's going to be like dancing. Like, it should be a lot of fun. Come on, Chubb, we should go. And at first, Chubb was like, no. Now, look, it's so dark outside. I don't want to. I think I just want to stay inside by my fire. Yeah, maybe I'm just going to, I'm going to stay in. Maybe I'm going to stay in tonight. And his friend was like, oh, no, no, come on, man. Like, it'll be fun. It'll be fun. We'll have a lot of fun. You should come with. There, there's going to be so much drinking. It'll be great. <laughs> and there's going to be music. We should go. And so it says that, you know, after thinking about it for a while, like Chubb probably wouldn't have gone out if it hadn't been for, you know, his one friend saying, hey, we should go. 
we should go. We should go together. And so he decided, you know what? I think, yeah, well, I'll go. Okay. So he turns and he says goodbye to Oksana, his daughter, who has not stopped staring at herself in the mirror this whole evening. Okay. Oh, Oksana. Is that is that like a relevant detail? It seems kind oh, of... Oh, yeah, it is. Anyway. She's obsessed with okay. herself. It does seem very telling of her character, but, you know. Mm-hmm. I'm like, we're, I'm like, we're about to get acquainted with this woman. So Chubb heads out with his friend out into, it's still a clear night. Like it's still like a calm night. It's just very, very dark. No moon. Right. So they head off walking together towards the sextant's house. Now let us see what Chubb's daughter, the beauty was doing all by herself. (laughs) So Oksana, she is in the story, 17 years old, extremely beautiful, but she likes to look at herself in the mirror and try to decide how pretty she really thinks she is. And there's like this Mm -hmm. whole scene where she's like, oh, my curly, thick black hair. Can people really find that attractive? Is it really that attractive? I don't know. I don't know. Are my thick black eyebrows attractive? Which I'm like, again, we've talked about this, that when people are describing like what the beautiful thing is, it's really interesting to hear like what they're describing as beautiful. Yeah. Because this woman is described as having thick black curly hair, thick black eyebrows, black eyes. I don't think, I don't know if it describes her as like, plump i would have to like go back but yeah it's interesting because in so many stories especially like the like western european stories it's always the like golden hair yeah and in this story it was like very much like black everything yeah was was like what made her like a striking beauty yeah which i mean that's a that's a type i'm into yeah no i know i'm aware (laughs) sounds like my wife yeah So in the story, it also talks about how basically like all of the men of Dakonka thought she was beautiful. Mm-hmm. But every lad who got like a crush on her and was like interested in her and putting like forward advances, you know, she would flirt back and stuff, but she didn't show any real interest in them. And so after a while of being like teased with her flirtations, they would just stop. Like they would just lose interest in her. Yeah. They're like, all right. Yeah. This isn't going anywhere. Cause they're like, Oh, you're so beautiful. And she's like, you're right. I am. And they're like, okay. <laughs> like, well, that was nice talking to you. So most of the men in town had, you know, kind of lost interest in her pursuing her for like a relationship a long time ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Except for the blacksmith. Vakula, who was still very much interested in her. All right. So the blacksmith, who had been kind of hanging around outside waiting for Chubb to leave, saw Chubb like head out. So he knocks at the door and Oksana comes over to the door and she's like, oh, it's you again. I thought it was my friends coming because her friends are coming over so that they can all go out caroling together. And Oksana was like, were you just standing outside the door waiting for my dad to leave so that you could come over? And he was like, busted. (laughs) Like, no, no, no. I came, I came on, on like business, like blacksmith, like business stuff. And she was like, Oh, is it the chest that you're making for me? Is it ready yet? And he was like, Oh no, it, 
I'm still working on it. I probably have like a couple more days like left to like work on it. I've, it looks amazing. It is the most beautiful chest that I've ever created. It's fit for a Zarina. It's so beautiful. It's, it's glorious. You're absolutely going to love it. And she's like, oh, okay, good. And so she goes back to kind of like looking at herself in the mirror and like getting ready to like go out with her friends. And the blacksmith was like, is it okay if I sit down beside you? And she was like, um, no, you're all dirty from being a blacksmith. Like, <laughs> I don't want you sitting down next to oh, me. Man. Stay away from me. And he was like, oh, okay, no worries. <laughs> And I'm like, this whole like exchange, I'm like, it is so awkward. Yeah. Just that, you know, he's like, hey, I like you. And she's like, you smell of smoke. (laughs) You're going to cover me in soot. Get away from me. And he's, you know, just kind of like standing there awkwardly thinking about like how wonderful she is and whether he should stop pursuing her or not or what, because... Sometimes she acts like she is interested in him. Sometimes she acts like he's not. And he's like, I don't know what to do. And so he's just watching her as she's like getting herself ready. And then all of a sudden it seems almost like out of nowhere. She just like turns to him and she's like, so is it true that your mother's the witch? (laughs) And he was like, oh. I had a dollar for every time uh, (laughs) I was asked that question. Oksana was like, you may love me like that. And my father might think that he enjoys spending time with your mother. I know there's about to be some drama, (laughs) but I doubt that my father is a fool enough either to marry your mother. And I'm like, whoa, girl, what in the world? Like, where is this coming from? Yeah. And then she's like, like after being kind of like rude and like cutting being all like my dad is not stupid enough to like marry your mother. Then she's like, Ugh, where are my friends? They were supposed to be here by now. <laughs> and uh, our thirsty boy, Vakula, was like, let them stay away, my beauty, so that we might spend the evening together. <laughs> oh, my gosh, guy. She's like, no, I expect the lads will come with the girls like as well. And then we'll all go out dancing. <laughs> It'll be so much fun. That's what we're going to do. It'll be so funny. And he's like, so you're going to you're just going to go and like go and hang out with all of them instead of hang out with me. And she was like, yep. Oh, listen, I hear somebody knocking at the door. And the blacksmith to himself was like, why am I doing this? Like, why am I like staying here? She's like waiting for them. But before we find out who was at the door, we're going to take a quick shift back to the devil and the witch. So he has just grabbed the moon out of the sky and he is got it in his bag and he's trying to like fly through the sky with this witch trying to like get back to someplace warm. But apparently like Mm. the moon was really struggling like in the bag trying to like get back out and like get loose and go back to Uh. its place in the sky. And so they're having like a lot of trouble trying to like get somewhere warm and the devil is getting more and more frustrated because the frost it is cold outside he is not used to the cold he hates it and it says even the witch who is from Dekonka was feeling cold outside and wanted to get <laughs> like indoors and so she quickly kind of like aims her broomstick downward and then slips straight down like into her own chimney with her pockets like full of stars once she got inside 
she wasn't expecting to have the devil uh, come so quickly from like behind as well. Cause he also was slipping down and like, they, so they both went down the chimney like really fast, but they both were kind of like wedged in the chimney kind of behind where the, like the doors are to the oven mm-hmm. because those had been closed so that the witch could stealthily move back the oven door so that she can look in to see whether her son Vakula, the blacksmith, had come home yet. <laughs> so here is where it is revealed what? that absolutely the witch who was up in the sky flying on a broom stealing stars is Vakula's mother. Which I'm like, that's so funny that like his mother's this like hardcore witch. But she was probably taking him to church with her. Like she would go to church. Mm-hmm. And she was probably taking him with her. And I guess she didn't teach him any of, you know, the demonic ways and so he, like some children do, rebelled and, you know, went the opposite direction, making all of this uh, religious art. You you raise them upright and, you know, you try to teach them the best you can, but <laughs> sometimes they end up uh, making religious art. It happens. It happens. But yes, the witch is, the witch is a Vakula's mother. Confirm. She looks around and she sees that Vakula is not home yet. And so she can, you know, pull herself out of the oven with the devil. Also, side note, I need you, I really need you to know that Chubb has a first name. And it is here where we find out what Chubb's first name is. Okay. It is Corny. <laughs> no way. His name, it starts with Corny a K. It starts with a K, like the band Corn, Corny. Yeah. With a Y at the end. Corny Chubb. <laughs> anyway, perfect. Best named character in all of folklore thus far. Yep. That's my stance. Even better Corny even Chubb. better than Mabuba. <laughs> Mabuba's pretty good, but Corny Chubb. <laughs> You're right. Corny Chubb is way better. <laughs> okay. So it says Vakula's mother was not more than 40 years old. Doesn't that make you feel so? That makes me feel real old. <laughs> that like, yeah, but me and Vakula's mother are like almost close. I mean, in close and yeah, like, close enough that I'm like, oh, you could be, fr- you'd be easily be friends. I'm closer to her age than Oksana's for sure. Yeah. Oh yeah, this woman and I would definitely be friends. How old is Vakula? I kind of was picturing him as like in his like twenties, but is he like a teenager? I mean, he probably is like twenty. Like, he's probably around her age, like, uh, Oksana's age, like, 17, 18, 19, mm. 20. Like, probably close to there. So, Salaka, the witch, was not more than 40 years old. And the story says she was neither handsome nor ugly. And then it says, indeed, it's hard to be handsome at such an age. <laughs> I'm gonna <Ouch>. die. <laughs> but it says, like, she was, like, really clever and witty and fun to be around like she was a good time gal she was well look just look at the shenanigans she's getting in with the devil i mean oh yeah you're not out stealing star stealing stars and peeking out of ovens if you're not into having a good time (laughs) if you're not like a party feel good like person like she's not a regular mom she's a cool mom (laughs) (laughs) so And this is why her, her, you know, being such a good time gal, she had caught the eye of many people in town. Mm, Including Corny Chubb. Including Corny Chubb. 
she had also caught the eye of a couple other people in town mm. that we will be meeting later. I'll save them for later in the story for when it is. I bet it's the mayor. Have we talked about the mayor yet? Yeah, well, the, the, there was the aside about how the mayor's legs were so skinny, he'd break them when he was <laughs> dancing because he's such a fat, <laughs> like, dude. Yeah. Excellent. So Laka's house was kind of, it was on the way to the tavern. It was on the way to the church. There were a lot of places that it was on the way towards. And people sometimes, mm. men would sometimes look in on her on their way back home. And, mm. and this is why rumors had started circulating by the other women in town that Solaka might be a witch. In league with the devil. It's all coming together. But everybody could kind of see that while she might be discreet with some of her other relationships with people, she definitely seemed to have her eyes on Corny Chubb. (laughs) (laughs) So Corny Chubb was a... (laughs) I'm going to keep full naming him now. Yeah, do it, please. So Corny Chubb, he was a widower, and he always had lots of food. Well, I'm like, good for Salaka. Right, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm just saying, like, and it's also, you know, like something happened to the mom because he has a son. He has a daughter. Yeah, he has Oksana. Oksana. And it's unclear to me whether or not Oksana got her good looks from her mother or her father, Corny Chubb. (laughs) But it seems pretty likely that it was from her mother. Although, I mean, Solaka, not not unhandsome. Yeah. Despite the difficulty of being handsome at such an old age as not yet 40. <laughs> you know, and she, the one that she has her eye on is Corny Chubb. Maybe he was, a, a, you know. A yeah. Or she could see that, you know, he's got money. And because uh, that's that's the thing is he he had a really nice house. He was really well situated in town, had a really good reputation, mm. always had bags of corn and barley. He always had like <laughs> that's why they call corny chub. <laughs> I'm like now I'm like looking back. I'm like, does it say corn? No, it does say eight stacks of corn always stood before his cottage. <laughs> and that's how he got his name. He had a lot of corn and he was well fed. Corny Chubb. Corny Chubb. So, and he always had livestock that were around and like that. Mm. So he always, he yeah. had a lot of stuff. Signifiers of wealth abounding. Yeah. So, huh. It also was saying that he had chests of really old fashioned, but beautiful clothes because his wife had been fond of fi- fine clothes. And mm. so it's like. You could just be like, uh, sir, if you're not using those, can I have some of those? Just kidding. He's giving them to his daughter, probably. Yeah. Although, if they're old-fashioned, is she going to want them? Maybe they'll be vintage Ooh, by the time that she's yeah. ready to wear them, and it's like they're cool again. I bet that's what happens. I bet that's what happens. Can't wait to find out. I'm sure that's a key plot point. <laughs> so all of this, Salaka thought, would be... Wonderful if she was able to join to her own farm and her own assets that she had. And it was for this reason that she had decided to help the devil in his plot that night. Because Mm -hmm. if her son, Vakula, marries Oksana, then by the rules of the Russian church, it is noted in the story, she would not be able to marry Chubb. Yeah. And then all of that would go to her son, Vakula. 
which it never says in the story that they had like a difficult relationship with each other, but I'm sure it was yeah. strained considering that she was a witch in league with the devil and he was a man of the church. <laughs> yeah. A blacksmith who loved creating um, religious art. So as much as he cared about his mother, I'm sure that, you know, I'm sure that they had some awkward holiday meals. Don't we all? And none more awkward than the following Christmas morning. No. (laughs) (laughs) So after she had come out of the stove and looked around, Salaka, it says, like a good housewife, started to tidy up and put everything in its place. But there were some sacks of things that had been just like left in the room and Volaka was supposed to have taken that out. That was like his chore. And so she was like, Oh, Vakala brought all of those in. He needs to be the one that carries them all out and takes them out. So she kept cleaning around like the house, just trying to get things looking right, you know, maybe to make it look like she hadn't been spending the evening with the devil, but the devil, when he had sped really quickly into the chimney after uh Salaka, as he was speeding past very quickly, he had seen Chubb arm in arm with his neighbor a long way from their home, already on his way out, headed towards the sexton's party. Mm. And so the devil was frustrated because that had been the whole plan, right? That had been like the whole plot. And this Chubb isn't at his house where he is supposed to be. So he was like, uh, no, I'm going to go back out. So Salaka was like, okay, fine. So the devil heads back out into the night and he goes over to where Chubb and his friend are and starts flinging up heaps of frozen snow in all directions, which (laughs) starts to, it's not a snowball fight. It's a blizzard. He was like creating a blizzard Mm. to come up. And so as these two men, Chubb and his like fellow were walking along the road, this blizzard started and all of the air became full of white snow everywhere. And the snow zigzagged in front of them, behind them, next to them. They could barely open their eyes to like see right in front of them. Their eyes, their mouths, their ears were all becoming plastered with snow. So at this point, once the blizzard was kicked up, the devil flew back to the chimney again, fully convinced that now Chubb would have to go back home with his neighbor. And there he would find the blacksmith and get in a fight. They would, you know, have a falling out. He would ruin vakula's life so he was like i've done it this time but also as the devil was trying to fly back into the chimney still with the sack on his back he bumped it into the chimney and out popped the moon that flew back up into the sky so but still blizzard yeah but we want the moon had been trying to get back up in the sky i love that the moon is a character in this I love that the moon is a character in this. Desires. I love that too, just because we did so much this year talking about the moon that I'm like, oh, it's only appropriate that the moon should be like this central focus. This is the perfect final episode of the year. I know. And it it just it happened upon us. Yeah. Love it. So Chubb and his friend, all of this snow all around them. It says in the story that Chubb decided that he was really glad of the snowstorm 
because they still had like eight times as far to go than they'd already walked. And he had already walking in the darkness with his friend been regretting his decision. He was already like, ah, getting all the way to the sexton's house is going to be so hard. It's already hard. I need an excuse to like turn back around. And so Chubb was like, okay, this is good. Now that there's like a blizzard, I can go home because I want to go home. This was a bad idea. So Chubb was like, hey, bud, I think we're going the wrong way. I don't see any cottages nearby. This is a really bad storm. We should probably just try to find the road again and turn turn back around. Okay, so let's help each other like find the road again. And his friend was like, okay, I'll look around and I'll call you when I uh, find the road. So they're looking around, looking around everywhere, splitting up like with each other. And his friend, though, doesn't quite find the road. But the first thing that he does find is the tavern. Mm. And he, seeing the tavern and the warm light inside, decides that that's where he's going to head, not to the road, but just out of the storm right now into the tavern. And he doesn't even think to turn around and holler for his friend. Chubb, meanwhile thinks that he found the road. And so he starts yelling for his friend that he found the road. But after a while of standing there in the blizzard, shouting for his friend, his friend not hearing, he decides to go on without him, which I just want to say, like splitting up in a snowstorm with the plan to shout to each other when you found, like, that's not a good plan. Yeah, no, it's a, it's no. a really bad plan. It's a terrible plan. I mean, it works out okay for them in this, but that don't do that. That's a very bad idea. Yeah. They shouldn't have done don't, that. Don't take their success as a sign that you should follow suit. So Chubb starts heading in the direction down the road that he thinks is towards his home. And in fact, he does see his cottage, but with all the snow drifts lying about everywhere, it's kind of hard to tell. And so he goes and he bangs on the door, which is when we left Vakula and Oksana having their extremely awkward conversation with each other where mm -hmm. Vakula is mm -hmm. like, I love you. I think you're the best. And she's like, I think your mom's it's a witch and you're gross. I <laughs> love this storytelling where it's like, there's a knock on the door. Meanwhile, but it's not a meanwhile. It's like a yeah. rewind in time. And then we're bringing it up to this moment. And it's like, <laughs> the worlds are connecting and colliding. Like this is like modern day storytelling wise, like just beautiful. Yeah. You know, but it's like, I'm a fan. Who's that knocking at the door? And I'm like, you're about to find out because look, I can it's it's becoming abundantly clear why this Ukrainian writer was like became so great. Yeah, because this is just amazing. He's really Continue. he's really good. He's really good at what he does. Um, yeah. So corny Chubb. Yeah, it's about to get shenanigans. Knocks on the door to his own house. And. <laughs> <laughs> As you do. As you do. And Vakula shouts back, what do you want here? And Chubb recognized the blacksmith's voice. And he kind of stepped back a little bit and thought to himself like, uh-oh, I am not at the right house. Where did I walk to? Because the blacksmith never comes to my cottage because he's never seen him there because Vakula would never <laughs> ask Chubb because he's scared of Chubb. So Chubb is like, the blacksmith's never come to my house. Where did I walk to? This can't be the blacksmith's house either because I know the blacksmith's house. Whose mm -hmm. cottage is this? So he's like looking around and he was like, okay, wait. The only other house that kind of looks like mine in the town, because again, remember, there's snow everywhere. Like he's in the middle of like a blizzard. He's trying to like look and see like what's... So there's snow everywhere and yeah, he's like... It's 
And it's a little more forgivable that he like didn't recognize his own house. Yeah. Like, I thought he knowingly went to his own house and was like knocking on the door. And, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Let me into my house. But it's like he didn't think it was his house. Like this house that looks like my yeah, house. Yeah, he was like turned around, yeah. not quite sure. Because he even said that he got back to the house faster than he thought that he did. Because it took them so long to walk where they had been walking in the dark without the moon. Mm, that yeah. then he was able to quicker, more quickly, like walk back by himself. And so he was like, wait, maybe whose house I get to. And he's like, wait, wait, wait. There was that one guy who recently married like a young wife, but I thought he was supposed to be at the Sexton's party tonight. And he was like, oh, wait, so that guy is probably at the Sexton's party and he left his young wife here and Bakula oh, is like having an affair man. with him. And he's like, oh, you sneaky blacksmith. Like, I know what you're doing. <laughs> Hooking up with that guy's young wife. Like, mm. So the blacksmith, Vakula, shouts from the door, who are you? What are you hanging around people's doors for? Which, Vakula, <laughs> wow, bold. Bold. Not even your house, bud. Yeah, considering you were hanging around that yeah. door for like hours <laughs> waiting for the dad to be gone. Exactly. Hey, what are you hanging around? At? What are you doing? What I He's was He's like, doing who are you for? creeping around out there, you freak? <laughs> so Chubb like thinks to himself, like, I don't want to tell uh, Vakula like who I am now that I know like his secret because I don't want him to know that I've like figured out that he's like having an affair, obviously, with this like lady at this person's house. And so he was like, oh, I know what I'll do. I'll be like, it's me. Mm -hmm. I've... Come for a diversion to sing carols under your window. No <laughs> sausages. And Bacala was like, go to the devil with your carols, which I think is hilarious. Like the amount of times in this story that they're like, like, oh, may Satan take you and like, go to the devil with yourself. <laughs> when it's like, yeah, the, de the devil walks among he's you. He's like, I can hear you, you know. So he's like, go to the devil with your carols. Be off with you. So Chubb was like that it made him upset to be talked to in that way by the blacksmith because he, as a superior man about town, uh, does not like being talked to like that, even mm. when he is pretending to like be a woman <laughs> caroling outside. And he was like, why are you bawling like that? I want to sing carols and I'm allowed to. And Chubb was like, no, you're not. And like, without really looking at what he was doing, Vakula opens the front door and just kicks Chubb like straight in the back. Because I guess Chubb was facing away from the door. I don't know. But like hits him full on in the back and was like, stay here if you want to fight. I'm like, he hits him like again, like one more time because like Chubb like answers back and was like, Oh, you want to fight, do you? And then we'll find out later in the story. Vacula is a massive dude. He is like super huge jacked. We are about to hear about like how jacked he is. Yeah, I mean, he's when you're smithing in the day, you know what I mean? You're building muscle, man. You're like just lifting that hammer, you know? So it's like, I'm kind of like, you know, why is Oksana not more into him? I know, right? Because I think she's only into herself is like what the issue is. And also he, well, anyway, I was like, he's coming across kind of like. Yeah, no, and he does. You know, and listen. too hard. He doesn't totally get better. I'm, I'm, I don't approve of some of like his tactics. We've, all right. we've all been young and in our teens and made bad decisions in love. So 
you know, I'm not, listen, I'm not rooting for him is what I'm saying. Look, yeah, I'll say this about him too. It's like, even at the pitiful level of game that he is displaying here, mm-hmm. uh, had way more game or courage than I ever did. Like, like I wouldn't, I wouldn't even have the courage to say those corny, obnoxious things oh, yeah. to like a girl, you know what I mean? Like, let alone like continually try oh, yeah. after being rebuffed to try to like win over. It was like, it would never even get to that point. So it was like, Hey, good on you for like the courage aspect of at least the tenacity. Yeah. And she hasn't really like turned him down either. Yeah. She's just kind of know. like, Oh, you're a ridiculous. You're so ridiculous. Like you're ridiculous. Like, ew, yeah. you're gross. Cause you've been like at the Smithy all day. Anyway, I just remember that there's like a potential fight about to happen. So I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, no. So like, you know, Chubb at first is kind of like, like, well, here you are. How dare you? How dare you do something? And is like about to like fight back. And like Vakula is basically like, get off the porch or like it's going to go down. And so Chubb like quickly left, which I I don't know how dark it is at night, but like Chubb was trying to make it sound like he was like a woman outside. Listen, did Vakula <laughs> open the door and think that he kicked a woman? Kick. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. Yeah, that's. A- I'm like these are hardy ladies out here, so I don't know. Maybe he did think he was kicking a woman. Um, but also, didn't he open the door and see like that's a dude? Why was that dude pretending to talk like I don't know? Maybe it's mm-hmm. still dark. Listen, lots of questions. So Chubb decides that he's not going to go toe to toe with this kid and he is like, fine, I'm leaving. And so he starts walking off trying to figure out where he's going to go to. And he keeps like stopping and like rubbing his back. He makes this like huge thing about being like, oh, I bet I'm going to have a bruise. I bet I'm going to have like a real bruise. I should tell the police. I should tell the police that I'm like, I should show them the bruise. (laughs) It's too cold outside for me to take off my shirt and like have somebody like look, but I think there's going to be a bruise. There's so much about how he thinks it's going to be a bruise. I'm like, Chubb, stop it. We get it. He hit you hard. Okay, move on. So Chubb took off walking He was like, well, okay, where can I go now? I know that if Vakula is there, that means Solaka, the the witch, Solaka Mm -hmm. is at home alone. Mm. I wouldn't mind spending the evening with her. (laughs) Oh, man. Maybe I should head out her way. So he turns around and he starts walking over to Solaka's house. So inside of Solaka's house... The devil, after causing the blizzard, popping back into the chimney and accidentally, you know, losing the moon, letting it get out of his bag, was like, all right, what's our plans to settle in for the night? Because now he could hear that now that the moon was back up and shining, all of the people who had wanted to go out singing and caroling, all of the young people that wanted to go out singing and caroling, were now starting to get themselves ready because the blizzard had started to die down and the moon was back out. Mm -hmm. I wanted to read this paragraph. It is hard to put into words how pleasant it is on such a night to mingle in a group of singing, laughing girls and among lads ready for every jest and sport which the gaily smiling night can suggest. It is warm under the thick pelisse. I don't know what that means. The cheeks glow brighter than ever for the frost and old Sly himself prompts to mischief. I just thought it was funny because they keep bringing up the devil just casually through the story, like in reference, not not even yeah. as like right. a character, yeah. but just like like the characters, the character's role thus far has actually been pretty small, but his presence is yeah. felt greatly. Because I'm like, he started he started this whole entire mess. But don't worry, 
<laughs> yeah. There's more. So, and all the so all the carolers are coming back out, which means now suddenly mm. a group of girls with sacks bursts into Chubb's cottage and gather around Oksana. So the blacksmith now is just like standing at the side while all of like her friends and everybody are like giggling and laughing and telling stories and, you know, just general merriment and stuff. And he's kind of just standing on the outside, like watching them talking. And some of them had already sung at a couple places. So they were already munching on loaves and sausages and curd dumplings and just chatting with each other and getting ready to go out. So Oksana was chatting with her friends and she looks over and she sees that one of the other girls or Darka has these like brand new shoes on and Oksana is like, Oh my gosh, those slippers are so beautiful. And they even have gold on them. That is so nice. Oh, Darka that you have a man who buys you anything that you want and such splendid things. I wish I had a man in my life who would buy me splendid things. And Vakula was like, Oksana, like I would buy you, I would buy you fancy things. I would get you slippers. Like I would, any beautiful shoe that like you want, I would get you. And she was like, oh, you, what are you going to get me a horseshoe? Oh, burn. Lady, he's a blacksmith, not a farrier. <laughs> You should know. But I don't think, Just kidding. but I think, I think farriers put the horseshoes on yeah, the, the horse. Yeah, the blacksmiths probably make them still. You're right. Yeah. She, she showed me. She showed me. <laughs> like, yeah, you're absolutely right. Or are you? I don't know. I don't want to even look it up. You probably are right. I believe you. I'm like, That's that fine. makes more, most sense. If I'm not, people can, can write in and tell me. I'm pretty sure too, now that you say this, to, like I recall something, and I don't know why this piece of information it's like in my brain for any reason, but I'm pretty sure like one of the kind of like tests of becoming a blacksmith is making a horseshoe. Like that's one of the, you know, like yeah. the seven trials to become a blacksmith. I don't think that's a thing, but you know, like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, like a, to become a chef, you got to know like the 27 ways to cook an egg or something. And yeah, if you don't know the other chefs will make fun of you and be like, no, oh, didn't you go to culinary school? You'd be like, no. I learned at home. And I only learned 13 ways how to cook an egg. And half of them are just messing up trying to make poached eggs. The blacksmith was like, no, Oksana, like I would, I would go and I would get you slippers that were like fit, fit for the Tsarina to wear. That's what I would do. I would buy you shoes that were fit for the Tsarina to wear. And Oksana was like, oh yeah, maybe you should go and get me the very shoes that the Tsarina wears. <laughs> And the other girls in the group were like, yeah, you should have to get her shoes to prove your love. You should have to go and like get these like shoes to prove your love. Ha <laughs> ha. That'd be so funny oh if like gosh. you were able to do that. And so all the girls were just like kind of like laughing and mocking. And the blacksmith was like, you can laugh all you want. I will do it. I will get you the shoes that the Tsarina wears. And Oksana was like, if you get me the shoes that the Tsarina wears on the day that you bring them to me, I will marry you. Ooh. And they all kind of like burst out laughing. And as if then that'll happen. As if, oh, oh, oh. Yeah. So everybody just like laughing, cavorting, go back outside to their carol singing. And Vakula kind of just like walks behind them. 
because he's just following them, I guess, because he has nothing better to do. I'm like, buddy. And she like didn't want him to come along, really. Yeah, it's not. Yeah, like. But he's like, I'm allowed to be on the streets too. Like, maybe I can't hang out with you, but I can follow 20 feet behind you. It is such a sad little like image of this like whole group going out to go caroling, yeah, having a and good him time, just, like, and him walking just behind, picking up a stray sausage that they happen to miss when it gets thrown their way. A stray sausage. Speaking of a stray sausage, meanwhile, the devil was making love in earnest to Solaka. Oh my gosh! <laughs> Are you for real? I am. That was a direct quote. What the heck? That was unexpected. I mean, not not the speaking of sausage, but the meanwhile, the devil is yeah, making yeah, love yeah. in earnest. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that is nuts. I didn't know that even the devil was into Salako. Yeah, even the devil's like hot for her. He kissed her. And this is another like aside uh, <laughs> that like the Nikolai Gogol put in here. It says, kissing her hand with the same airs and graces as the tax assessor does the priest's <laughs> daughter. <laughs> what the heck? I'm like, oh my gosh. Stop saying something. Oh my gosh. Um, his writing, uh, his writing absolutely was known for the way that he would uh, call out government yeah. officials. I want to like hear about the true the hot goss of the town that he was like. Yeah, I'm like, oh my gosh, dang. Mm. So it says that Solaka was hardly ever alone. She usually had like somebody over at her house, like with her. But tonight, Christmas Eve, her and the devil, you know, he was here. It was his last night there. You know, might as well. <laughs> if you know what I mean. And yeah, she had said that evening, however, she was expecting to spend alone because all the noteworthy inhabitants of the village had been invited to keep Christmas Eve at the Sexton's house. Mm. But as the devil and her began in earnest, <laughs> there was a knock at the door and the voice of the mayor, and, <laughs> which is why I was like, did I mention the mayor yet? And people uh, were no. like, oh, the skinny legs. So Salaka quickly kind of like got herself uh, back in order and ran over to open the door for him while the nimble devil crept into one of the sacks that Vacula had left lying on the floor okay. that the mother had complained about earlier being there. Yeah. It's like, why did he not put this stuff away? So the devil would have a place. To so hide now that the devil is hiding. The mayor comes in, shakes some snow off of himself, and Zalaka hands him a glass of vodka to drink. Because, of course, anytime somebody comes over to your house, you're like, here's a glass of vodka. It doesn't say a cup. <laughs> no, just a glass. Here's a glass of vodka. In my mind, I'm imagining it's huge. I don't know. Maybe it's a little glass. It's fine. Here's 32 fluid ounces of vodka. <laughs> so... Salaka, so you know, asked him like, oh, I thought thought you were going to the sexton's party tonight. And he was like, oh, yeah, well, I decided that I wasn't going to go to the sexton's party tonight because this like random snowstorm started, this like blizzard started up. And so, you know, I decided I'm not going to walk that far all the way out to the sexton's house. But then, you know, I saw a light in your cottage and I thought I would just drop by and uh, see what you were doing this evening. And hardly had the mayor had time to say all of this when there was another knock at the door. <laughs> and this time it was the sextant knocking at the door. What? He left his own party to go be with Salaka? <laughs> so the mayor really quickly was like, 
oh my gosh, hide me. You have to hide me somewhere. I don't want the sexton to see that I came here and that I am here. Also because he's the mayor and he doesn't want the sexton to see that he went for no apparent reason to drop in at Salaka's house. And it's all looking pretty fishy. So Salaka was like, okay, no problem. Um, there's some bags over there. And so she got the biggest coal sack uh, because of how big the mare was. And yeah. she uh, dumped the coal out into a barrel and then put the mare inside. It's, it's mustache and all into the sack. <laughs> <laughs> mustache and all. Woo. I'm, I'm like, was that his like defining feature? Anyway. Absolutely. So then Salaka opens the door and the sextant is standing there. And he kind of is like, he's like looking around and she's like, um, I thought you had a party tonight. What's going on? And he was like, oh, yeah. So nobody ended up coming out to my party because like the weather's <laughs> the been so weird. Storm. Yeah, it was like really, really dark for a while. So like nobody wanted to leave their house. And then there was like a freak like blizzard. And so nobody even showed up to the party. And so I thought that I would come here and see what you're doing tonight. And she was like, oh, oh, yeah, that's that's really nice of you to drop in on me. And then they have this whole thing that is I'm deeply uncomfortable because it's like <laughs> all centered around how like um, he went closer to her and with a cough and a smirk touched her plump bare arm with his long fingers and said with an, an air expressive both of slyness and satisfaction. And what have you here, magnificent Solaka? And she's like, what do you mean, my arm? And he's like, mmm, your arm. <laughs> and then he like does the same thing with like her neck, like running his fingers like on her neck and being like, and what's this? And she's like, my neck. And he's like, oh, yes, it is in Terrible, Solaka. I'm like, what are you doing? And just like the image that is painted of like this guy's like long, creepy fingers like running yeah. on her body. I'm like, oh, uh, stop. I hate every part of this. Yeah, I'm with you. It says, there's no telling what the sextant, a carnal minded man, <laughs> might have touched next with his long fingers. Once again, oh gosh, that's a line <laughs> I wish I hadn't heard. <laughs> sextant always. Like horny creeps in these yeah, stories. Yeah, Sexton's priests, they're always like super horny creeps in these stories. When suddenly they heard a knock at the door and the voice of Corny Chubb. <laughs> About time, Corny. But uh, by the time he got over to her house, you might want to call him uh, <laughs> Horny Chubb. <laughs> <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. I was like, I wanted you to uh, finish it. Oh. No, it's fine. Yeah. I wasn't going to I just that. wanted you to like, my joke was I wanted you to read my mind yeah. and know that I was about to say horny chub. And I did, and it would have been apparent had I said it, but I didn't say it, so sorry. It's okay. It's okay. I forgive you. Thanks. The voice of corny chub. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Someone who's not wanted, cried the sextant in alarm. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm going to say every time somebody knocks on my door now. Oh, dear. Someone who's not wanted. <laughs> But the sexton was like, oh, no, it would be really bad if I was caught here. A person in my position. Oh, no. Like, what What if the, What if somebody found out? You have to hide me. I'm running out of coal sacks here, guys. Come yeah, on. Yeah, she, like, grabbed another sack, stuck him in that one. Um, but it was the last sack, and that will be funny later. Puts him yes. into that sack, and, you know, he... 
climbs into the sack. What's funny is like at first he tries to like start like a conversation like he was like uh, doing like a sermon where he's like, say in the in the gospel of St. Luke in chapter 30, they said like because he wanted to pretend, I guess, as if. Like, oh, he came over there to talk to her about scriptures. Uh, okay. And then he decided like, oh, no, that's that's not a good cover. And then he just <laughs> jumped into the bag. So, so Laka goes over the door, uh, opens it up, and is like, hey, how's it going, Chubb? Mm, that's, that's what I want to always say. How's it going, Chubb? You know me. I do. Mm, I'm going to say that later tonight. So Chubb was like, Good evening, Salaka. You probably weren't expecting me tonight, but I got a little lost on my way and I uh, happened to find myself here. <laughs> sure, sure, sure. <laughs> and he's like, but I'm sorry, were you were you here entertaining some company? Maybe you already have somebody hiding in here already, huh? <laughs> Which I was like, oh, what an awkward thing to observe. So Salaka like laughed and was like, oh, no, no. Here, have like a glass of vodka. I'm like, was this the same glass that you tried handing to the mayor? Or is everybody just like downing a glass of vodka as they're like running in? It's fine. And he's like, oh, thank you so much. My throat felt like it was like frozen stiff from like being outside. This weather's been crazy tonight, don't you say? And she's like, oh, yeah, that is true. And he's like, oh, goodness me, I'm having uh, problems uh, unbuttoning my own coat. Maybe uh, you can come over here and help me unbutton my clothes. Oh, my gosh. And then all of a sudden, there was a bang, bang, bang on the door. And Chubb was like, oh, no. Oh, no, no, no. Somebody's knocking at your door. <laughs> and they hear very loudly, Mom, open the door. <laughs> because it is Vakula, uh, the blacksmith, he has decided that he's not going to follow around Oksana all night and he is coming home. Good for you. Which, yeah, I'm like, that's a good choice. And so Chubb was like, oh, no, 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 no. I do not want your son to see that I'm here. So, Laka, do you have a place that you can hide me? And she was like, oh, yeah, sure. No problem. Considering he just kicked me in the back yeah that he was like i hate that kid well because he even was like in his head he was like i don't want to see that damned brute may he have a pimple as big as a haycock under each of his <laughs> eyes um and then he calls it like the devil's son which i'm like i don't know if he's the devil's son i don't know whose son he is yeah he could be the devil's son he's everybody in that town son <laughs> that's Gal true Dang. his paternal lineage is definitely up for we don't know. So Laka is a, a very free-loving woman, and yeah. we appreciate her for it. Yeah. That's what we love about her. <laughs> so, so Laka was like, oh, yeah, no, there is a bag that you will probably fit in, except that it the was the bag that the there. sextant no 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 it was the bag that the sextant was in luckily the the sextant was such like a long but scrawny man <laughs> that he was only taking up the bottom half of the bag and when corny chubb climbed in he <laughs> didn't even see the guy and the guy was trying to be so still and quiet so as not to be noticed that corny yeah. chubb just sat down right no. on this man no way yes oh, hilarious <laughs> the poor sextant dared not betray his pain by a cough or groan when the heavy Cossack <laughs> sat down almost on his head and put oh a frozen boot on each side of his face. <laughs> Love it. Oh, I'm like, this is perfect. So Vakala like walked in the door and he was just kind of like downcast and looking grumpy. And his mom 
greeted him but could see that he was in a very bad humor. And she went to go get him a plate of something to eat and probably a glass of vodka when there was yet another knock at the door. And this guy, he's, listen, frankly... What is it? He could not be hidden in the sack because no sack big enough could be found anywhere. <laughs> so Vakula just walked him into, it says, the kitchen garden to go talk to him and left her son, the blacksmith, sitting in the house. And so Vakula, feeling sad and stuff, he's just like looking around the cottage ab- absentmindedly. And listening to the sound of the carol singers far away and feeling sad for himself. And he looks down and he sees all of these sacks that are inside of the room. And he was like, oh my gosh, I have been so focused on Oksana and all this foolishness. I absolutely did not even remember to take these bags out. I need to go and dump these bags out. That is, that's my bad. So he goes to lift up the bag and it says that like Chubb gasped when the hair of his head was twisted into the knot on the sack because he was like closing the sacks, which I'm like hilarious. And so like all of the people who are in the sacks are like trying to be quiet and Vakula is like, oh man, what? He says, what the devil? This, the Love sacks it. seem to have grown heavier than they were. And then he was like, no, do you know what it is? It's that I have just had so much heaviness in my heart that these sacks just feel heavier than usual. I am normally strong enough. I could pick up 10 sacks like this. So I should be able to handle all three of these sacks, right? Because there's the devil in one. There's the mayor in another. And then there's the sextant and chub together Mm. in the third. I think think that's all the bags accounted for. So I think it's the three. So he hoisted the sacks and he put them on his shoulder and it said he was so distracted by his sadness that he didn't even hear the sounds of the men groaning as he he whacked them into his own back except the the one that had uh, the devil in it apparently that one was much lighter and he was like oh this must be my bag of tools i'll bring that with me easy peasy so I am not quite entirely sure where Vakula was taking these sacks with him, if they he was taking them back to the smithy or like what. But he starts walking down the streets and the sound of like the singing and the laughter and the shouting, it's all getting closer and closer. And he's like, oh, man, I'm going to run into that whole group again. Oksana and like her laughing, giggling, like me and friends, like I just I can barely even like stand it. So the blacksmith stood with the sacks and he thought that he heard the voice and the laugh of Oksana and it made his whole body like groan with pain because he was so sad like hearing her laughter and knowing that she didn't care for him the way that he cared for her and he kind of dropped the bags and (laughs) put them on the ground and it was like the sextant at the bottom groaned over the bruise he received (laughs) I'm like this poor that (laughs) poor creepy man and so the blacksmith like looks around and he's like, oh yeah, there she is. She's so beautiful. She stands like a czarina, her black eyes sparkling. Oh look, there's a handsome lad telling her something. Oh no, she's laughing. She thinks he's funny. 
She doesn't think I'm funny. So he's just like feeling his feels. And so he decides, it says unconsciously, he moved through the crowd to like stand in front of her. And this is the part where I'm like, this, this is manipulative and this is bad and you should not do this. This is not good. Well, she turns around and she was like, oh, Vecula, there you are. We all kind of were wondering where you'd gone off to. Like once we started like caroling, you just left. Have you been off singing carols what's in your little sack because he had dropped the sack of the men but still had the sack of the devil in his hand <laughs> and she's like oh what's in that little sack did you get the slippers from the Zarina for me and everybody laughed because they're all a-holes yeah and the blacksmith said no i can't bear it anymore it's too much i have decided that I am going to go and drown myself in a hole of ice and it will all be over. Goodbye, Oksana. This is the last time in this world that you will ever see me. I'm like, no, uh-uh. It's bad behavior. It is bad behavior. We do not tell people that we are going to kill ourselves <laughs> because they don't love us. I don't like that. I understand he's in a lot of pain, but I think this is bad behavior. All right. I agree. And so with that, he spun around and started marching off. And some of the other guys who hadn't been like standing there when he, you know, said what he said, were like, mm -hmm. Vakula, where are you going to? Like, where are you walking off to? And Vakula turns to them and he was like, goodbye. We will not see each other until we are in the next world. I am going to drown myself. Tell the priest to sing a requiem service for my sinful soul, sinner that I am. And then he walked off and everybody was kind of like, whoa, what was that? So as he spins off, you know, and is walking the other way, people start chattering about like what's going on and like what, what he said and, you know, being like, he's not going to do it. And I'm like, Oh no, he's going to do it. Like he looks really like upset. I don't know. Like, Oh man. And some old woman overheard a piece of it. And she thought what they had said was that the blacksmith had hung himself. And so she went to go tell other people that he had already done it, that it had already happened. Oh man. That he was already dead. But meanwhile, after walking for a little bit, still holding just the little sack, he had left those guys like behind. But after walking for a while, he was like, "Ugh, what am I doing? Like, am I really going to give up? Like, am I going to give up on this lady? Like, am I going to give up like on like pursuing her? What do I really want? Like, what are my options? Like, what should I do? And then he was like, oh, I should go and see the town magician. Which I'm like, uh, why is this the first time we're hearing yeah, about this man? I, that's exactly what I was thinking. I was like, wait a second. There's a, a magician who operates out in the open while, you know, Salaka has to be witching on the side, you know, sneakily. That's the patriarchy for you. Yeah, and we're also, this is the first time we're hearing of, a, there is a wizard in the town. No, it, it wasn't a wizard. What was he? Magician. magician oh, yeah. No, wizard. yeah. He's a magician. Magician, wizard. It was a wonderful Wizard of Oz. Well, let's not split hairs on this. He was a magical doer. He was a, ma he was a, a the magic man. And what I do think is funny is also the author put in here that this magic man was from this other city in the Ukraine, which he's, <laughs> I'm trying to figure out like the pronunciation. It's like Zapor Zaporzits, Zaporzits, Zaporzici. Sounds good to me. But in it, because they're saying like, oh, this guy had come, this like magic man had come from uh, this other city in the Ukraine. And 
It said, at first, he had lived like a true Zaporziti, the person from this like other town. He had done no work, slept three quarters of the day, ate as much as six mowers and drank almost a whole pail full at a time. So, wow. I was like, I don't know anything about the people of this town in Ukraine, but I can tell that apparently uh, this guy had some feelings about that. Mm-hmm. He lived uh, like he was really from there because he didn't work. He was lazy and a glutton. And it's like, <laughs> wow. <laughs> so, and then they go into like great pains to describe how large this magic man is. I'm not going to do that. He was just a very hungry fellow. So anyway, Vakula goes over to the magic man's house uh still holding his sack and the you know magic man was like what do you need what do you want like doesn't even move it's just sitting eating dumplings and he's like what do you need and vakla was like well not to insult you but i heard that you are slightly akin to the devil (laughs) which is hilarious yes again because the devil is a character in this story and it's not this magic man And the magic man, you know, at first he didn't stop, like, eating any of his, like, dumplings. And so Vakula was like, oh, no, I've insulted him. And he was like, "Uh, I've come to you uh, because I thought that, you know, you you would be able to help me. He was like, I didn't know, you know. I'm I'm having a problem and I don't know how to solve it. And I, I don't know who to go to. And I mean, I'm basically, I'm so desperate that like, you know, I I think I'd even have to ask help from the devil himself. And the magic man then turns and looks to him and says, oh, well, I mean, if it's the devil that you need, then go to the devil. And the blacksmith was like, well, I mean, like, that's what I'm saying. Like I came to you for like, because like, you know, I don't know if you're able to help people because of like, you know, dark magic that you have or something. But like, I thought that you'd be the person who would be able to help me the most. And so that's why I came to you to, to help me. And the magic man, like barely even moved. He just kept on eating dumplings. Bakula was like, tell me at least, you know, how, how I might, you know, go about helping myself or doing whatever, like, tell me what road to go down to, to get to the devil, to, you know, get this assistance. And the magic man was like, Oh, I mean, you don't need to go very far. I mean, you've got the devil on your shoulder. And Vakula was like, I don't know what that means. What are you saying, dude? But the guy just like kept sitting there eating. And so Vakula was like, maybe I need to like sit and wait for this guy to like finish eating and then like he'll talk to me. And so he was sitting there and like watching him. And like it was funny because like one thing that was happening was that like the the dumplings, he was noticing that like the dumplings were like moving from the bowl and into the guy's mouth without the guy like moving his body like at all. And he like was realizing like, oh, he's using magic to like mm. get this like food into his mouth, which is like such an interesting like. Si- so he was like, <laughs> wow, that's amazing how you're able to do that. Would you be able to use some of your magic, you know, to help me? Nah, <laughs> just kidding. Okay, so he's watching that like the magic happen and he was like, oh, my gosh, like, how is this guy doing this? Like it has to be like the devil. It has to be like evil. And like, I'm a pious man. Like I'm a good man. Like what, what am I doing here? Like, why have I come to like 
this guy's house to do this thing. Like, this is really bad. Like, I need to just, like, leave. So he turns around and he starts, like, heading down the road. So the devil obviously, like, heard all of this, like, inside of the sack and was like, oh, if Vakula is, like, ready to, like, make a deal with me, now's my chance. Like, I've got this, like, guy who's, like, super pious, making all this art, and now, like, I'm going to make his soul mine because he's so desperate for Oksana that, like, he is going to be, like, totally mm -hmm. ready to, like, do whatever. And so, like, at that Vakula felt this like cold shudder run like all over his body and he suddenly just like dropped the sack and out popped the devil and it says that the devil putting his dog's nose next to Vakula's right ear said it's me your friend I'll do anything to help a friend <laughs> I'll give you as much money as you like. Oksana will be yours this very day if you want. All you have to do is sign a contract with me. Mm. Sounds like some devilish behavior to be sure. So the devil was like, just a little contract, nothing tricky. I'm all about the contracts. Let me pull this out for you. And Vaklu was like, oh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah, no, that sounds good. That definitely sounds like something that I want to do. Definitely uh, start doing that. So the devil like kind of like turns to the side to, I guess, magic a contract out of nowhere. I don't know. And Vakula grabs the cross that's hanging around his neck and he grabs the devil by the throat and like oh, holds man. the cross up to him. Dang. And, <laughs> and he was like, done. he was like, I'm not going to sign a contract, but you know what you are going to do? You are going to fly me straight to St. Petersburg <gasps> to the Tsarina. Oh my and gosh. the devil like caught around the throat and about to be like, you know, uh, hit in the face, I guess, with a cross, a crucifix, uh -huh. had no option but to, in some stories, he turns into like a dragon. Which is, again, perfect. Yeah. And in another, he turns into a bird, um, like a like a fiery tailed, like giant bird, mm -hmm. which there is this imagery of like both like the devil being turned into a dragon, the dragon is a devil, or just dragon creatures flying, flaming birds, like flying yeah. people to different things, like in stories, which I like is like so cool. So Vakula mounts the devil and they fly off to St. Petersburg. Meanwhile, Oksana is out wandering around thinking about what the blacksmith had just said and kind of thinking to herself, like, have I really been like so terrible to him that like he like cared about me so much that he would like really want to like kill himself? Like, I don't understand like this amount of love that he feels towards me. I didn't realize, you know, it's just like joking around, but like, this is like serious. This is like really troubling. Mm -hmm. And uh, her friends, they're all like walking and they come across these sacks, these bags, like sitting in nowhere. And they're like, oh my gosh, the blacksmith was so upset. Like he must've been really, really upset because like when he ran off, he didn't even take these like big sacks with them. Like who even knows like what's in here? Was this, did he get this from caroling singing? Is this like food? What was he like? Like what, what was going on? Like, should we open it up and like all eat it together? And Oksana was like, no, don't, 
just like open them up. We should probably drag them to back to like my cottage and like hold on to them until like we know. And they're all kind of like, oh, come on, Oksana, like be fun. And all the guys were like, oh, the bags are so heavy. We can't even lift them, which I'm like, yeah, because Volaka uh, or Vakula was like a full up beast being able to carry them around. <laughs> yeah. So Osaka, uh, Osaka, no. So Oksana was like, okay, let's just put them onto like a sleigh and drag them home. And so like, that's what they did. They ran and got a sleigh, put them. It says the captives were dreadfully bored with staying in the sack. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, really? But apparently the sextant who was crushed below, he had like tried to make a small hole in the bag so that he could like peek through it so that he could creep out when no one was around, but he didn't want to creep out when anyone could see him and be a laughing stock. <laughs> yep. Don't want to be a laughing stock, but corny chub. He, when he heard his daughter's plan to like take the sacks, like put them on a sleigh and take them back to um, his place. He was like, Oh, thank goodness. Like that's brilliant. That is exactly what I want to have happen. Cause he's like, cause then he can get out of, the sack and be at his own house. But as those girls ran off to go and get the sleigh, his neighbor who he had originally been walking out to the uh, party with, and then the guy had abandoned him in the blizzard to go to the tavern. Just about then this friend was coming home from the tavern, but he was quite upset and in a very bad mood because the woman who owned the tavern uh, refused to serve him on credit. (laughs) Because he hadn't brought, I guess, like enough money or any money with him on the thing. And so the lady was like, absolutely not. I'm not going to let you just like drink on credit and like run up a tab. That's going to be a no for me. And he's got history. You can tell by that. (laughs) It's not the first time that he's had trouble with that. And so he had sat at the tavern for a while waiting for some other people to come in so that he could possibly get one of them to like buy him a drink. But everybody, because of all the weird weather, nobody had come out to the tavern. And so he had just been sitting there hanging out at the tavern, watching, I guess, snowfall outside, I guess, just wishing, watching the tavern keeper clean the bar. Um, So he was in a bad mood. (laughs) To say the least. And so when this neighbor came across uh, these sacks that he felt were probably full of goodies and treats mm. from carolers, yeah. he was like, oh, you know what? Maybe this, uh, maybe this night's going to turn out better than I thought it would <laughs> now that I have all this uh, free food. And so at this, he took the sack that had Chubb and the sextant in it, and he was like, oh, this is too heavy. Nope. <laughs> No, that'll be too heavy for one person to carry. Oh, wait, here comes another one of my friends, the Weaver. (laughs) So this other guy shows up. I told you there's like a massive cast of like characters. And he was like, oh, some some carolers dropped this sack in the middle of the road. If you help me carry it uh, back home, I'll split it with you. And the guy's like, well, what's in it? And he's like, I don't know. White loaves flat cakes like there's you know probably good stuff in there so they grabbed some sticks from a nearby fence and they put it through the sack that had chub and the sextant in it and they picked it up uh between the two of them so that they each like had the even weight of the sticks Mm -hmm. and 
they were like, okay, where are we going to take this? And the, um, you know, Chubb's friend had been like, you know what? Let's just take this back to my house. And the weaver was like, isn't your wife going to be there? And the neighbor guy who's like, uh, uh, Chubb's friend was like, no, no, no. My wife's gone. She's going to be out tonight partying with her friend. She's like hardly ever at home because like her and I can't stand the sight of each other. <laughs> and the weaver was like, okay, good. Because like, I don't want to share what's in the bag. And he was like, cool, no problem. So they get back to the house. Unfortunately, because the weather outside had been so frightful (laughs) and the fire had been mm, so delightful, the one guy's wife had decided to stay at home. She hadn't gone out with her friends. So when they got back to the house with the sack, the wife was like, oh, wow, thank goodness. You guys have clearly been out caroling all night. What's in the bag? (laughs) And they were like, what do you mean what's in the bag? She's like, you got food from caroling, right? And they're like, yeah, but it's ours. And she was like, no, you're going to open. We we can all eat that. What's in it? Sausage, loaves, like what's in there? And they're like, I don't know. And she's like, open it. And they're like, no, it's ours. And she picked up an oven fork and started chasing them around the house, <laughs> whacking at them with oh it and gosh. yelling for them to like open the bag. So finally, you know, they've, they're on the other side of the house and she's by the bag. And so she like slaps the bag and is like, oh my goodness, what do you have in here? A whole pig? Which was Chubb. Burn. (laughs) Oh, Chubb. And at this uh, insult, hearing, uh, you know, having himself be uh, slapped upside somewhere on his body and being called a pig, Chubb finally decided in that moment that he was going to crawl out of the bag. So he crawls out of the bag and the the neighbor's wife like shrieks and they were all standing just like open mouth staring at Chubb like what in the world? And Chubb just kind of gets out of the bag and was like, oh, oh, man. Mm. What's up, guys? (laughs) Like he had been sleeping in the bag or something. And it just woke it up. Slept through all that. And they're all staring at him and they're like, what, what in the world? What's happening? And he was like, oh, you know, I was just, I was just playing a trick on you. And you are so silly. You thought that I was pork and that you were going to eat me. (laughs) Great trick, Chubbs. (laughs) So funny. But then Chubb was like, oh, but there was, uh, there might be something else in the bag. I don't know. Maybe it's something we can all enjoy and eat, but I don't know. It was moving around in underneath me. I almost said inside me. <laughs> it was his long fingers. <laughs> He's like, I was feeling something kind of like moving around under me. Maybe, maybe it's something that will be good to eat. And so the weaver and the neighbor and the wife and Chubb all lean over to look in the bag and lying crushed at the bottom of the bag is the sextant. (laughs) And when Chubb looked in and saw the sextant, he suddenly realized, oh, you're a nice one, Solaka. You were just putting men in those bags. How many bags do I remember there being? How, like how many knocks on the door? Like how many bags were there when I got there? And how many individuals per bag? Cause we know that some of them have more than one. 
Yeah, like each of these bags were shoved full with men. And so with that kind of dawning realization uh, that he was not uh, the only one that Solaka had been uh, hooking up with, our story moves back to the remaining sack. So the girls get back with their sleigh and they find that one of the sacks is missing, which is curious. And Oksana was like, well, I guess we'll just have to be content with this one that we have. (laughs) So the mayor decided like he wasn't going to say anything. He wasn't going to like let them know that he was in there because he was worried that if he called out for help, that the girls would run away shrieking, thinking that the devil was in the sack. (laughs) (laughs) And that he would just get left in there till the next day out in the cold. So the girls set the bag on the uh, sleigh and they started taking turns sliding on the sled. Uh, Like, you know, one of them was pulling, one of them was like sitting. And so they were kind of like crawling over and sitting and crushing on top of the mare. Um, And so the mare was like trying to be quiet while these girls took turns. I was going to say riding him, but that's unfortunate. (laughs) While these girls just like got on and off the sled. So at last they arrived at Oksana's house and they were all like, all right, let's see what's inside it. Let's see what's inside. But at that moment, the mayor, after trying to be so quiet the entire time, but being jumped on and sat on, started to cough. And the girls all shrieked and were like, oh, no, there's someone in there. And they started shrieking and they ran to the doors in horror. And Chubb, who was walking back from his friend's house, said, what the devil is in that? Hilarious. And Oksana was like, oh, dad, there's somebody that's inside the sack. And he was like, oh, yeah, the sack. What? Like, where is the sack? And they were like, the blacksmith, Vakula, he was over here and talking to us. And he had these two sacks and he like dropped them on the side of the road. And we brought one back. And Chubb was like, I don't need to hear this whole tale because he knows the backstory. And he's like, all right, let's go have a look. So Chubb goes over to the sack and, you know, like kind of unties the top. And he says, I beg you won't be offended at me not addressing you by your proper name. Crawl out of the sack. And at that, the mayor crawled out and all the girls shrieked all the more. (laughs) That's not the response you want to get when you appear on the scene. Yeah. It's all the ladies shrieking. Shrieking. In horror. So Chubb, you know, seeing the mayor climbing out of the bag was like, oh, dang it. Because he's just like, oh, so not only not only me, not only the sexton, but uh, Salaka is like also hooking up with like the mayor. Uh, and he was like, all right, cool. But the mayor obviously was still confused. And I love it. He was just he kind of like looks over at Chubb and he's like not even trying to explain like what went on or like whatever, because he doesn't the mayor doesn't know that Chubb was like in another bag or like anything mm. unless unless he heard him. Come to uh, uh, come to Salaka's house. I don't know. It's unclear. But anyway, he's like, so I expect it's a cold night. And Chubb was like, there is a bit of a frost. <laughs> <laughs> if you hadn't noticed. And I'm like, I love that they just like immediately went to talking about the weather. Like, oh, so yeah. uh, crazy weather we've been having. <laughs> 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 like what in the world? So at that, the mayor just kind of like walked out of Chubb's like front door. (laughs) All right. Well, Well, I'll be going now. Gentlemen, good day. (laughs) 
So Chubb says to himself, well, so Laka is a fine one to put a man like that in a sack. My word, she is a devil of a woman. (laughs) Never gets old. But we will leave Chubb to pour out his vexations at leisure and we'll go back to the blacksmith for it must be past eight o'clock. Love it. So when we last met Vacula, he was riding the devil to Petersburg to meet with the Tsarina. Yes. To steal her shoes. To steal her shoes. And it says that uh, Vakula was extremely amused by the way the devil sneezed and coughed when he put the little cypress wood crucifix to his neck. (laughs) Oh, man. So they were just like, you know, flying through the night. And this, this is so fascinating to me. As they're flying through the night, it says everything was visible and he could even see a wizard whisk by them like a hurricane sitting in a pot. <laughs> And the stars gathering together to play hide and seek, a whole swarm of spirits whirling away in a cloud, a devil dancing in the light of the moon and taking off his cap at the sight of the blacksmith galloping by, a broom riding back home, from which evidently a witch had just alighted at her destination, and many nasty things besides they met. Because, like, I want to point out that because this is like a night that where like the veil is thin it's one of those like last nights of this time of year like where the foul things of the world are allowed to like be afoot i i love that it's this like as they're flying as he's like flying through the sky on like you see like all sorts of yeah on the devil yeah it's just like witches and wizards and like demons and all this like all you know all manner of craziness is like going on so when they got into the city the devil turned into a horse and the blacksmith found himself mounted on a fiery steed in the middle of the street. So now I'm like even better. Now they're like galloping through like the streets of uh, St. Petersburg. Then he's like, the devil has turned into like a horse and he's like, you know, in control of this like horse and like riding it. So the devil heads straight for the palace and you know, the blacksmith is suddenly kind of like, oh, wait, what are we doing? Like, there's like all these people. So they rode up to this group of people. And as they rode up to this like small group of like, just like regular people, Vacula, like, you know, dismounted off of the horse devil (laughs) and told the devil to shrink down so that he could fit into his pocket to which the devil did shrink down and like hop into his pocket. And, uh, Vacula went over to like the group of people that were standing outside the gate and was like, what's going on? Like, is what, why are we all like standing out here? What's going on? And they were like, Oh, the Tsarina says that she wants to like meet and talk with like some of the common folks, some of the common people. And so, um, we are some of the people that they selected that they're going to talk to. And Vakula was like, oh, can I go in with you? And they're like, no, you can't go in with us. Like, why would you be able to, who are you? We've never met you like a day in our lives. And Vakula like whispers kind of to his pocket, tell them to let me come in with them. And right as he like says that, this other person in the group was like, oh yeah, you could come with us. You can come with me. I like, I don't mind you coming with us. Like you definitely should. And they were like, oh, okay. And so he, then some like guards come out and like lead them into like the palace grounds. And then the Tsarina comes out with this like procession of other like, you know, beautifully dressed like ladies and women. And they come over and, you know, all the people are like, oh, like, Zarina, you're so beautiful. You're so lovely. You're so awesome. And she's like, oh, thank you. Thank you. You're so kind. So 
the queen is talking to like the people asking them about like what it's like in their cities, if they're well fed, if things are going well. And one time in the story, it says the name Catherine, which I think is super fascinating because if this is supposed to be Catherine the Great that they are talking to, she, it's funny to note because she was a, a ruler that did very much want to talk to commoners and know what's going on inside of the smaller regions. She was like very involved in that. So I think that that's fascinating. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it makes sense. She predates when this story was written down. And so, you know, if he was writing like, oh, these stories are from like a long time ago, like she still fits in. A timeline wise to that being her. And so like, I think it's fascinating that he used her when uh, the Tsarina got to Vakula. He said, your Royal Highness, I know it's rude staring at your feet, which I'm like, yeah, we always got this foot fetish stuff going on. He's like, like, I know it's rude staring at your feet, but your slippers are so lovely. They're so beautiful. I don't think that there's a single shoemaker or jeweler in Ukraine that can make shoes as beautiful as those. And there's a woman that I'm in love with named Oksana who won't marry me if I can't find some shoes that are just like them. And for whatever reason, Catherine, I'm assuming the great, was like, oh, No, no problem. I love that story. I love what you're telling to me. I've got (laughs) stacks and stacks of the finest slippers in all of the world. And stacks on stacks on stacks of slippers. She's like, if you want, I can fetch the best pair of slippers in my collection and bring them to you. And then she turns to everybody. She says, I like this blacksmith. He's so honest and direct. I don't meet nearly enough people like him. Which I'm like is true. So her attendants quickly run and go grab like the slippers and bring them to Vakula. And she, you know, hands them to him and says, give these to your fiance with my blessing. And (laughs) with that, Vakula bows deeply and he leaps back onto the devil's back. I'm assuming after he gets, you know, away from view. Right. And they fly back to the town. So meanwhile, it has been a long night for everybody, and Vakula has started to hear the sweet singing of congregations inside of churches and the chiming of church bells. And he knows that he needs to hurry because the devil will yeah, be gone soon. Disappear. You can't ride the devil if he's already back in hell. That's what I always say. <laughs> So he is speeding as quickly as he can uh, to get back to Chubb's cottage to see Oksana. But meanwhile, people have started going through the town being like, oh my gosh, did you hear the news? Vakula's killed himself. He's like drowned himself. No, he went and he hung himself because that old lady had like already started like telling. Yeah. So everybody's like. Started the rumor mill. Yeah. Going. So everybody's like going around, you know, being like, did you hear that Vakula like he like killed himself? He got like really, really upset and he like killed himself. He already like hung himself. It's like, oh my gosh, like it's like horrible. And Oksana hears this and she's like, Oh no. Oh my gosh. Which is again, like she is absolutely within her rights, not to be cruel to him, but to not be interested in him. Yeah. And so, yeah. 
There's there's more nuance that could be had in the story. But anyway, mm. there's not. So she is like, oh no, like what have I done? Like I was so I was I was so self-absorbed, so cruel to him, so uninterested, and I've like led him to make this decision. Like, how could I have been so stupid? Like, I wish that I could take it all back. You know, what a silly, foolish girl I've been, the way that I have been treating him. It it says like it was then that she realized that maybe she did love him. And like, if only she had known before sending him off that she loved him. And I'm like, oh boo. Yeah. You didn't, you're just feeling guilty. So she is, you know, left kind of thinking all of this and, you know, being like downcast about all that has happened. But still, uh, it was still night as the devil flew even more swiftly back with the blacksmith. And soon enough, Vakula found himself back in town at the very moment that a cock was crowing. When they landed, you know, the devil, you know, started to, you know, get himself collected and, you know, back to where he's going. And Vakula was like, where are you off to? Wait a bit, friend. I haven't been able to thank you yet. And with that, he seized a switch and began to like lash at the devil. It says, and the poor devil set to running like a peasant who had just had a hiding from the tax assessor. <laughs> <laughs> we like keep going back to this tax assessor. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so it says, so instead of tricking, tempting, and fooling others, the enemy of mankind was fooled himself. And that was the last they saw of the devil that Christmas. <laughs> That's, that is a great line. Yeah. That is the last they saw of the devil that Christmas. And that wasn't written in there. That was me. That oh, was me. Beautiful line, <laughs> Katrina. It should be yeah. written into every copy of this from henceforth. <laughs> so... It's funny because, like, in this, he then decides that he's going to, like, take a nap in some hay and then, like, wake up later in the day. Um, After, I guess, Oksana has had a good amount of time to be, like, super worried about him and be like, oh, no, what have I done? So, with that, when he, like, woke up, he went over to Chubb's house (laughs) to present... Oksana with the gift and so he gets there and he hands her this little bundle and a kerchief and she was like oh my gosh like I thought you were dead like I thought you had died and that you'd like killed himself and he's like no I went to fulfill the promise that I made to you and she's like what promise and you know he hands her this like package and like a kerchief and she like unwraps it and inside it's the slippers and he's like Look what slippers I brought you. They're the same as the Zarina wears. And she was like, no, no, I don't want the slippers. I'm ready to marry you even without the slippers. And the blacksmith took her by the hand and the enchanted blacksmith gently kissed her. Her face flushed crimson and she was even lovelier still. (laughs) (laughs) And the story ends with this like flash forward like in time to this like bishop is riding through the town in Deconca and he is just looking at the beautiful village and how quaint it is and he looks over at the new cottage and he says to somebody oh whose cottage is that that is so gaily painted 
And there is a woman standing outside the house, a young, beautiful woman standing outside the house, holding a baby. And it's Oksana. And she says, oh, this house belongs to the, the blacksmith Vakula. And the, the bishop is like, splendid, splendid work. And it like describes like how beautifully painted the house is because, of course, the blacksmith was this painter. And so the bishop was like admiring like how beautiful the house was. And it says that his reverence was even warmer and his praises of Vakula when he learned that by way of church penance, he had painted free of charge the whole of the left choir green with red flowers. But that was not all. On the wall to one side as you go in at the church, Vakula had painted the devil in hell, such a loathsome figure that everyone spat as he passed. <laughs> and the women would take a child up to the picture if it would go on crying in their arms, and they'd say, There, look, what a fright. And the child, restraining its tears, would steal a glance at the picture and nestle closer to its mother. Wow. The did, end. Did the devil dirty after you made him help you get your wife? <laughs> did the devil dirty that is an absolutely delightful story loved every devil filled <laughs> minute of it i love that this tale has just like the devil throughout the devil as like a main character is more than just a person who like pops up and is like sign a contract and then pops up at the end and you know gets like cheated it's mm -hmm. like no it gets kind of like abused and misused yeah. throughout and it's beautiful and i love the like you know comedy of errors kind of aspect to the story absolutely like the guys knocking one after another at <laughs> the witch's house and like getting shoved in the bags then being like oh we'll drop this bag here and then this one gets picked up and and i don't know there's like part of me that's a little like oh poor chub when he like put it all together yeah in in the opera that was made of this, like the story is like a little a little bit different. Uh, nobody has sexual intercourse with the devil uh, in in the opera that I'm oh, aware of. That's too bad. And I believe that at the end, Chubb actually ends up with Solaka, like at the end too. But he does? in this in in the opera. Well, I'm glad they got justice for Chubbs in the opera. <laughs> justice for corny chubs <laughs> well and it was interesting too because she preferred him to all the other guys apparently was what it said in the story right yeah well i'm like but, it said that he like she preferred him but it also seemed like she preferred him because he like he was a widower because like the sextant was married she couldn't hook up with like she couldn't yeah. be anything with him the mayor also was like, I believe married and also like the, just in a station where she was like, ah, like he's not gonna, like there's it, nothing's gonna happen there. But like this widower who had like a lot of money, you know, there was like that possibility that she could marry that guy and kind of improve her lot in life. Yeah. But I don't know. She seemed like she was living her best life, having a lot of fun anyway. So. Yeah. I'm like, it's like justice for Chubb, but also like let Solaka like live her live her best life. Hooking yeah. up with like everybody in town. I need way more information on that like magician guy because like all he did was sit there in the story and like eat and then be like, oh yeah, like if you need the devil's help, you should definitely talk to him about that. Yeah, it was definitely like <laughs> there was no need for him to be there. 
No. Know? It was like he could He's have like, just gone to the devil's head. There was another way for him to get to the devil. Yeah. I mean, I guess like what's interesting about it is that he like that uh Vacula was like so ready to, you know, turn to demonic ways to like get this woman. And then he was like, never mind, I won't. Yeah. I won't do that. That's bad. And then the devil was like, oh no, I mean, we can make a deal. And he was like, no, how about this? How about I grab yeah. you by this throat? And hold a crucifix to you and force you to do what I want you to do. Like, dang. Yeah, that was... Vakula is like a, a absolute beast of a man. Yeah. Uh, he earned some points from me in that uh, that moment, for sure. Yeah. Don't like him being like, if you don't love me, I'm going to kill myself. That's not, that's not a good look, buddy. Yeah. That was a low point for him. So... I hope everybody enjoyed this story. I hope that you all have a wonderful holiday season. It has been an incredible year just finding these different stories that, you know, people wanted to read and discovering tales that I didn't know about. I'm always excited to see what is going to happen in the next year. Thank you for listening to The Fairy Tellers. If you enjoy what we're doing, please leave us a review or share us with your friends. Also consider supporting us on Patreon for access to exclusive bonus content, including outtakes and monthly bonus episodes at patreon.com slash thefairytellers. Special thanks to Andrew Foray for our music and to Clarice Inch for our artwork. And of course, a big thank you to all our patrons. Without all of you, this show wouldn't be possible. Fairy tales are always more interesting when something is added to them. Each new telling recharges the narrative, making it crackle and hiss with cultural energy. Maria Tatar When we laugh...